0: I hope my mom never hears this episode. Welcome to I Tell My Husband the News. I'm Shannon Ray Green, a journalist at USA Today. Each week, I catch my husband up on all the stories he may have missed. He doesn't really like to read or watch the news, so I'm pretty much his sole news source. It's a big responsibility. My husband, Dusty Terrell, is a local comedian in the Washington, D.C. area. Thanks for being here, Dusty.
1: Thanks for having me, Shannon.
0: What's going on, Dusty?
1: Uh, not too much, Shannon. What's going on with you?
0: Oh, you know, just sitting in our studio, about to do our podcast.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is what we're doing. Yep. Did you have a nice weekend?
0: Yeah, it was fantastic. I actually got to do a lot of wonderful things. I saw... Good friends, and I was able to go to an immersive theater show that I really enjoyed. It's a good, relaxing, fun weekend.
1: Yeah, the best thing about that uh, immersive theater show is that you didn't make me come with you. So it was good for both of us.
0: Yeah. So we didn't get any tweets from anybody this weekend. We didn't get any emails. We didn't get any new Apple Podcast five-star reviews or any Apple Podcast reviews. But you know what we did get? What? Two five-star reviews on Stitcher. Nice. So we want to give a big thank you to Noha Halawi, who wrote in from Saudi Arabia. That's pretty cool. And to Mama Bear Angie. She said that we should give a shout-out to her awesome 13-year-old daughter, Cassie. So, hey, Cassie. Thanks for the five stars. Thanks for letting your mom listen to our show and also thinking it's funny. She tells us you laughed. We love nothing better than hearing that we make middle schoolers laugh.
1: I think 13 year olds really get me. <laughs> Thank you to all of you for reviewing and listening. We really appreciate it. It means a lot to us. You can always tweet us. I'm at Dusty Terrell.
0: And I'm at Shannon Ray Green.
1: And you can always email us at I tell my husband the news at usatoday.com. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Scientists want to help save the Earth by storing carbon dioxide in the ground.
1: I say we store it in all kinds of places. I could put some in my trunk. I bet I could fit some in there. (laughs) i got some closets in my house that uh, have some extra space.
0: Um, We need that extra space, though. I'm surprised to hear you offering it up. I
1: mean, we don't breathe in there very often. Let's just...
0: This is written by my colleague Elizabeth Weiss. She writes Peter Kellerman spends time in Oman looking for ways to pull carbon out of the air and put it back underground. His colleague, David Goldberg, looks at ways to store it far below the seafloor off the Oregon coast. Chemical engineer Alyssa Park is working with steel mills in China to turn slag and waste carbon dioxide into reusable material. The goal of all three Columbia University researchers and thousands of other scientists and engineers globally is to find ways to pull some of the carbon dioxide that's causing global warming out of the atmosphere and store it away. It's called carbon capture and storage, and experts increasingly say it's going to be essential to saving the planet. Humanity is facing catastrophe as climate change causes the Earth to warm. Modeling by the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change suggests to keep it from wrecking climate havoc, we can add no more than 800 metric gigatons of carbon dioxide to the atmosphere by 2100. We're adding 37 gigatons a year now, meaning that at this rate, we'll have used up our entire carbon budget for the century in just under 22 years. In the atmosphere, carbon dioxide acts like a blanket, keeping the heat in. The more of it there is, the hotter things get. Before the Industrial Revolution of the 1800s, carbon dioxide levels in Earth's atmosphere were about 280 parts per million. Today, they've reached 410 parts per million. Kellerman is a geochemistry professor at Columbia's Lamont-Doherty Earth Observatory in Palisades, New York. He said, quote, people think that if the U.S. consumer just reduces her energy consumption, that will solve the problem. But it won't, unquote. Carbon capture means just that using industrial-strength scrubbers to grab carbon dioxide pollution as it's emitted from the chimneys of power plants, steel mills, cement factories, ethanol distillers, and other industries so it's not spewed into the atmosphere. Or in some cases, simply sucking it out of the air itself. Making large-scale carbon capture and storage happen became a lot more likely a year ago in February when Congress passed potentially momentous legislation aimed at combating climate change. It's been close to 20 years in the making and long fought for by a remarkably diverse coalition of environmental groups, oil and gas companies, industries and unions. This group turned an older tax credit for capturing and storing carbon into what could be a potent tool for fighting global warming. It's called 45Q in the tax code. And it creates a tax credit of $35 for each ton of carbon dioxide stored permanently underground in oil and gas fields and a higher value credit of $50 for each ton of carbon dioxide stored in other geologic formations from which no oil is produced. The government subsidy moves taking carbon dioxide out of energy and industrial processes from the nice idea but generally impractical side of the balance sheet to the we could make money if we do this side. That's according to Brad Crabtree. He's the vice president for carbon management at the Great Plains Institute, which is a nonprofit energy and policy organization in Bismarck, North Dakota. Julio Friedman is a senior researcher at Columbia University's Center on Global Energy Policy and a former official at the U.S. Department of Energy during the Obama administration. He said, quote, For the first time, it actually puts a price on carbon dioxide. It's the first step of a design for a carbon market, unquote. Just using carbon capture and storage at U.S. coal and natural gas power plants could remove 49 million metric tons of carbon dioxide from atmospheric release a year. That was what was found by an analysis by the Clean Air Task Force last month. It's two-thirds of the way to 2030 U.S. power sector goals from the International Energy Agency. The U.S. is uniquely situated to capitalize on carbon capture and storage efforts because it has multiple industries that produce lots of carbon dioxide as a waste, a large oil industry, and crucially 4,000 miles of carbon dioxide pipeline to get it from one location to the other. This is where oil fields come into the picture. Right now, one of the major industrial uses of carbon dioxide is to inject it into played-out oil feeds to get more of the fossil fuel out of the ground. Today, 23 million metric tons of carbon dioxide are captured annually from natural gas processing plants, refineries, and fertilizer plants and used for this process, known as enhanced oil recovery. Critics, however, fear the carbon storage tax credit is a subsidy that will help prop up oil companies they want to shut down. Environmental group Greenpeace calls it a case of misplaced priorities. It's no secret that since the 1990s, climate policy debates in the United States have been characterized by deep political divisions between Republicans and Democrats, between the coast and the heartland, and between fossil fuel and renewable energy. Carbon capture has brought them together. The 45Q tax credit created some surprising bedfellows. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a Democrat from Rhode Island, supported it because he worried about his state drowning. Senator John Barrasso, a Republican from Wyoming, wanted a future for coal. Lee Anderson is a governmental affairs director for the Utility Workers Union of America. He said, quote, You've got environmental organizations sitting right next to coal companies and labor unions. When does that happen? Unquote. He said his organization is betting the carbon storage plan will protect jobs for their members. Getting this all up and running at scale won't be easy, but neither is it impossible. The two easiest methods of carbon capture and storage we already know how to do, but we're not doing them enough. Planting forest works because trees take carbon dioxide out of the air and turn it into wood, which can store the carbon for hundreds and even thousands of years. Relatively simple agricultural fixes also help. Planting cover crops like clover that are tilled into the soil, applying manure or compost, and using planting methods that disturb the ground less than plowing all result in more carbon being deposited into the soil. Other ideas include fertilizing the oceans with iron to cause plankton and algae populations to bloom. They capture carbon and some sinks to the seafloor when they die, effectively storing it away or taking mine tailings or rocks that naturally absorb carbon dioxide and grinding them up to make larger surface areas so they do it more quickly. But many believe two more technical types of capture and storage that could potentially make up the difference between land management carbon storage are what's needed— In the United States, the focus has been on removing carbon dioxide from power plant exhaust or industrial processes by using industrial scrubbers to separate it. The carbon dioxide can then be used for enhanced oil recovery or simply pumped underground for long-term storage. Another option is direct air capture and storage. This involves constructing huge fan-like machines to suck in air, pull out carbon dioxide via chemical processes, and then store it underground. Pilot projects to do this are underway in Switzerland and Iceland. The hope is that in the United States, the tax credit will make carbon capture and storage more affordable.
1: I'm not so sure about this, Shannon. I think if you pump all that carbon dioxide into the earth, it's just going to pop like a balloon.
0: (laughs) I don't think it works like that. Uh,
1: I mean, I'm no scientist, Shannon, but I'm pretty sure the earth is one big balloon (laughs) and you could pop it.
0: (laughs) Elizabeth Weiss wrote, Carbon capture and storage is by no means the only solution to stopping climate change, a point everyone working in the field makes again and again. The primary focus should be speeding up the ongoing shift to carbon-neutral energy, they say. But to keep the Earth from heating up, humanity will need to use every tool in its toolbox.
1: Well, all that sounds very promising. I knew they'd figure it out. I wasn't ever worried about it. And I think we can all relax.
0: (laughs) Did you miss the part where... Nope. They said this doesn't just solve climate change. No, I am
1: I think I'm relaxed.
0: So we wanted to tell you about another podcast that's coming out. It's to do with the ABC show Speechless.
1: Shannon and I are big fans of the show.
0: If you watch it, You might be really excited to find out that one of the guest stars on the show, Zach Anner, is the host of the Speechless podcast. Dusty and I have actually been watching him on YouTube for years now.
1: He's hilarious.
0: He's so funny and wonderful, and you're just going to love listening to the energy he brings to the mic. He totally rocks. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the show and it also has many stars from the show as guests on it so i'm definitely going to be listening and i hope you join me listen to the speechless podcast with zach anner wherever you get your podcasts it's not nice to drive with ice brush the snow before you go
1: your mom has a real pet peeve about this she
0: does So I think she's going to be happy to hear this story, honestly. This was written by Rochelle Leah Goldblatt for the Rockland-Westchester Journal News, which is part of the USA Today network. She writes, Winter can feel like war, and drivers are cautioned to be aware of ice missiles coming their way. Ice missiles are the debris that come off cars that have not been properly cleared of ice and snow. That's according to Robert Sinclair, who is a spokesman for the AAA Northeast Chapter in New York and New Jersey. He said, quote, you can get big chunks of ice that fly off and can shatter a windshield, especially at highway speeds, unquote. He said that it can also limit visibility of the driver with the ice-covered car and other drivers on the road who need to avoid the flying winter debris that could potentially injure drivers, pedestrians, and bicyclists.
1: That's why I never leave home without my snow shovel. I just use it like a baseball bat when all that stuff is flying. What? Yeah, just. Hit it out of the...
0: But you're driving.
1: Yeah. You got to hang out the window and bat it away. How
0: many times do I have to say bad advice city to you? It's bad advice city. That's not cool, Dusty. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: I saw this one lady just the other day where it didn't fly off the top of her car, but it had slid down... To cover her entire back window.
0: Yeah, that's a thing she, that can she happen. She couldn't
1: see out of the back window, like, at all.
0: Yeah, that's a thing that can She's happen. just
1: cruising along. She seemed un- unfazed by it.
0: My mother, if she saw that, would not be able to not talk about it. And apparently there's laws against it, too. Oh. Sinclair said, quote, dangerous winter storms and bad weather are factors in nearly half a million crashes and more than 2,000 road deaths every winter, unquote. He said New Jersey requires by law that drivers clear off snow and ice, but New York has not passed similar legislation. A bill introduced by state assemblyman Michael Den Decker would make it illegal to drive without clearing off the vehicle. But even without a law specifying the removal, drivers can still get cited, Sinclair said. Quote, all 50 states have laws about debris coming off the vehicle. An officer could technically cite someone for snow and ice as debris. So it's not just an aspect of safety. It's something that you could be cited for. Unquote. The restrictive view is actually what could cause citations, according to the state police trooper A.J. Hicks, who is a spokesman for Troop K. Only unsecured loads can be cited for flying debris, he said. He continued saying, quote, We recommend that all drivers always clean windows and mirrors full of any snow and ice before driving. It is always important to see the roadway clearly and be seen by other drivers. We encourage drivers to make responsible and mature decisions so that everyone can get to their destination safely, unquote. He also said drivers should use their headlights during inclement weather and are required by law to use headlights while the windshield wipers are in use. Sinclair cautioned drivers driving near tractor trailers because the snow and ice could accumulate on the top where visibility is limited. He said, referring to snowstorms, quote, stay away from them during and after these kinds of events. It can be very dangerous, unquote. Sinclair recommended drivers pre-treat glass with antifreeze chemicals or use a de-icing spray to remove ice after the storm, especially in hard-to-reach areas. He also recommended trying out different ice scrapers to find which works best for the vehicle and a push broom to remove snow.
1: Well, don't tell your mom, but I, (gasps) I used to be part of the problem. But ever since we moved into our house, we have a garage. So now I don't even have to worry about it anymore.
0: It's really great. I hope my mom never hears this episode.
1: I mean, I would always clean off my windows real good, but then the stuff on top is cold.
0: (laughs) You're the problem. It's good you have a garage.
1: Yeah, it's been wonderful. (laughs) The only problem now is you have to shovel the driveway so that you can get in and out of the garage.
0: Yeah, we were like real adults now shovel in the driveway. There's been a lot of (laughs)
1: shoveling this year.
0: Yeah, there has. I'm excited that it's supposed to get warmer soon, but I feel like we still have a few March snowstorms. That always happens.
1: At least when it snows, you get to have a work-from-home day. Pros and cons.
0: And last today, we've got the lightning-fast headline roundup. Does Dusty care about these stories in the slightest? Here we go. Winner claims $1.5 billion Mega Millions jackpot.
1: Oh, finally. Who was it? Was it me? <laughs> Still no, huh? Nope. That's too bad.
0: If there was a claiming, I don't even know why you're asking that question, you know?
1: I don't know. So Maybe I sleepwalk. I don't know what happens all the time, Shannon.
0: Aloha. $49 Southwest Hawaii tickets are now gone.
1: That's the wrong kind of aloha, Shannon. It could be hello or goodbye, and you used it as goodbye.
0: How Game of Thrones became a phenomenon.
1: Uh, because it's great. That's how.
0: <laughs> it's coming back soon. I can't wait. I think it's actually six weeks away.
1: And I'm sad that it's the last season, but excited to have all my questions answered.
0: Mm, what makes you think that's going to happen?
1: I mean, how could it not? It's not like there was a polar bear running around and nobody said why.
0: Here's how to actually use a meat thermometer properly.
1: I'll tell you how to use it improperly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's so silly. Uh, sorry, you're shoveling wrong.
1: I'm tired of these headlines telling me that I'm doing stuff wrong. Don't tell me how to shovel.
0: Okay. Massive tarantula drags a opossum across forest floor.
1: I'm not a big fan of possums, but... That's terrifying.
0: (laughs) This new Orlando bar is also a dog park.
1: More things should be
0: bars. (laughs) This resort in the Bahamas lets guests tag sharks in the wild.
1: Well, that resort has no idea what I would be interested in doing because it's not that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This VW buggy takes a trip to the 1960s.
1: Are you saying that Volkswagen invented time travel? It's about time.
0: (laughs) Is that where you would go? Is that the decade you'd go to?
1: The 60s? No. Dinosaurs.
0: (laughs) That sounds really dangerous for your life. I'd be fine. Angry Snoop Dogg offers Lakers box seats for $5.
1: If I also didn't have to pay for air travel, I'd be interested. (laughs) The trouble with box seats, Shannon, are that once you've experienced them, it's difficult to go back to the regular stands. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you get spoiled.
0: You won't need a key anymore with this Hyundai Tech.
1: Oh, keyless entry? Welcome to 1992. Sick burn. <laughs> Next week on I Tell My Husband the News. Well, I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. That's why it's called The News.
0: <laughs> I Tell My Husband The News as part of the USA Today podcast network. New episodes come out every Monday. If you want to check out other podcasts from all across the USA Today network, just go to podcast.usatoday.com or find them wherever you listen to podcasts like Stitcher, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.